This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and I got my first post-quarantine haircut. (laughs) And it did not go well. (laughs) I mean, oh man, guys, it was bad. It was really bad. I don't know why I go really American when I'm talking about this, but yeah, I went in and uh, she looked at my head. And to be fair, I've talked about this before. I just sort of like, I've given myself like maybe five haircuts over lockdown because I have really short hair. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a picture of me, but I I have short hair. And so when it grows out, it grows, it looks bad. And so I was like, oh, I'll cut it a little bit. And then I obviously cut it terribly because then I'd see these huge like tufts coming out of my head. So then I would just like randomly grab scissors and cut off bits of my hair that were bugging me. So by the end of this time, I've had five months of me just randomly chopping at my head. And I went in and she laughed so hard at me and then she took pictures and then she gathered people around and she had to have a serious conversation with me about how I have so messed up my head and made it so short in some places that we are gonna have to like go really small (laughs) so if you see me um yeah anyways I'm dealing with the trauma of that but she assures me it's stage one of recovery Uh, lots of people have worked through much more traumatizing events but I am in haircut recovery uh, and hopefully when you see me next, my hair will have grown out to something that will look like a normal head. Right now, I look like a fuzzball. Anyways, this week in the episode, we are looking at your big story, not a haircut story, but other stories. Uh, we have a question and answer following up our great interview with Dr. Naomi Graham uh, about how to help children who sort of go into their own little world. And we also have an interview with Gail Adcock, who was the family's minister for the Methodist Church, talking about serving as a family. And what does that look like to be a family sort of on mission? And as always, we have a final question. Uh, just to let you know, if some of you are church leaders and parents, I just want to remind you that um, my new book, Parenting as a Church Leader is out. I did two years of research on the unique parenting context of church leadership and how it looks when you're parenting in a goldfish bowl and you have congregational expectations and you're trying to work out your calling as a church leader as a parent. And, and there's a whole bunch of practical tools in there. So parenting as a church leader is out now, if that's something that would help you. But first, uh, I wanted to talk to you about your big story. Now, summer is normally a time where I would say, hey, congratulations, everyone. You finally got time with your kids. But um, I know this summer is sort of like, all right, everybody, month six, we can do this. Some of us will not relish not having to do schoolwork sent home because that provided a lot of, you know, busyness. Others of us are panicking about the lack of structure that this brings. But no matter what your summer looks like, I just wanted to highlight this this opportunity of summer. You see, I think it's an opportunity to tell the story, the big story, and to access the big stories of others. I think there's one big story that we sometimes forget to tell our kids as a story. And that's the story of us and God. 
are, you know, what other people would call testimonies. Your, your story, your life story of you and God. Often what our kids get are the tidbits, you know, the little moments, you know, the, the one time God did this or the one time God did that. And we create windows. We talk about creating windows in parenting for faith, those moments where you open up times of your history. But very rarely have our t- kids heard the big story, um, of, you know, any before you had this faith that you can remember and your first steps in faith and your big steps and your significant moment with God, the, the big story of your life. Have they heard your story? Have they heard your friends' stories? You know, our family and friends have such rich and varied lives with God. And yet, you know, how many times in your life have you sat down with your family over a fire, over pudding or cuddled up on the couch and said, Uncle James, tell me the story of how you found God and what that journey has been like for you. Have you ever said, okay, kids, I wanted to tell you the whole truth story of my journey with God, because there are some bits that might surprise you. Um, Road trips are great for this because they're trapped in the car. Uh, These stories are so important because our children love us. They love our close friends. And when they hear that their favorite, you know, your favorite you know, your friend that is their favorite, you know, because all of our kids have favorite other friends, um, battled with severe bullying and had to leave school because of it and how he met God in it. They'll be stunned when they hear that you hated church at one point and what you learned and feel about that time. They may be shocked at why you insist on going now. <laughs> they will learn to see God not as a momentary activity, but as a companion for a lifetime. You may have a huge, long story. It's okay to break it up in chunks. You may have a story that has details in it you'd rather not say. You know, not all of us. That's okay. I used to tell tell my kid when I would tell the big story. uh, I used to tell my kid in my story about uh, what I call my year of disobedience. And so when I'd get to that time in my life, uh, in my long story of life with God, you know, when I've I remember first meeting God when I was four and when I first felt like I, God was communicating me at nine. And, you know, I tell the story and then I get to the year of disobedience and I would say, one day I'll tell you about my year of disobedience and what God did in me during that year. But I'm saving that for when you're older. After my, but back to the story, after my year of disobedience, I was kind of broken. I was really humbled. And in that year, God took me from arrogant to really understanding what it meant to be humble. And it changed me forever. And I was so, so grateful. But I had to learn a new way of being. And then I just continue with the story. So I just sort of save. And then there's the year of disobedience. I'll tell you about it later. And then we continue on. Uh, Just because you may have things in your past that you don't want to say doesn't mean you have to ignore the whole story. You can just, you know, fast forward past that bit. Uh, You have a big story. You absolutely do. It's not boring. It's not irrelevant. If you knew God and loved him always, and you are here now, then that is an awesome story. The times to share, if you feel like you've always known God and never had anything, you know, huge that you feel you would be like, ah, then it was dramatic. But the times to share are when life was hard, when the church wasn't what you thought, when you doubted, when you read a book and it opened up a whole new way of thinking, when you were disappointed, when you changed. I mean, there is so much in everyone's story. If your story was the opposite, that's okay too. You may be at the beginning of your story and that's a great story as well. Tell your stories, invite people over to tell theirs. And if they're willing, invite your children to tell theirs too because they have a story that they're living. We are all in the middle of our stories, and so let's share them with each other.
For our question section, we had a question that came up sort of out of our um, conversation last time. Dr. Naomi Graham is a specialist in helping children with additional needs on their journey of faith, and she is here to answer another question. Some of our children seem to be in a world of their own. How can we help empower them in their connection with God? Anna asks and speaks with Dr. Naomi Graham. Um, So Naomi, we've had a question sent in uh, by a parent. It says, uh, my child is very limited in his communication. He's mostly in his own little world and it takes a lot of effort to get him to engage for any length of time with us. How can I help him to pray? Or is my expectation of prayers not a helpful way of looking at it? I want him to know God, but I don't know what that looks like for him. Now, I've given you no warning. I've literally just thrown you into this. But um, uh, I imagine you've met parents in a similar kind of situation where they're, you know, maybe struggling with the parent-child communication is difficult. It's so important to them that their child uh, has a relationship with God. But where, where might you start in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, it's such a hard, that is hard. It's really hard when we find it difficult to, Particularly if our child has limited verbal communication, it can be really challenging when we don't know what it is that they're thinking or feeling necessarily all the time. So that can bring up a lot for us and actually being able to kind of, yeah, as an aside, being able to be able to chat that through with other people and other parents who are in a similar situation, I think is really important and just understand that that can be emotionally really quite hard. I think, I think, I mean, as yeah it, as I've written in my book like I just I really believe that God speaks to all of us in in different ways and he does speak to all of us whatever our level of communication is so I think that sometimes framing our idea of prayer slightly differently can help so for example my my book's called Love Surpassing Knowledge because it's about that verse in Ephesians which is where Paul prays that they may know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge, that they may be filled with the fullness of God. It's not just about kind of a cognitive understanding or ability to to verbalise. It's like a knowing of God's love that's deep in our hearts. And I think we all have capacity for that, whatever our ability is. So I think practically kind of connecting mm. um, for that little boy and, and similar children, it's, it's about using different opportunities in different ways for that connection so um looking at our different senses and the different ways we can communicate so that might be you know through a big hug of saying you know god loves you so much it might be through popping some bubbles or or blowing them and and praying as we see our bubbles you know go up in the air or it might even be you know one of the like things i absolutely love that we've done a lot and um, at new wine is we do parachute prayer where we get out a parachute and we put on um you know some calming kind of music and children lay underneath and we just pray that they would know God's presence as we lift the parachute up and down and I I always find that an incredible moment where actually I've seen so much stillness from children who normally find concentration really really difficult because I really feel like they're encountering God by the power of his spirit and then but also God encounters us you know as we're bouncing on the trampoline and jumping around so I think um a lot of it is just inviting God into the everyday and, and you know, even if our child can't verbalise that back to us, if, if we can verbalise it and if we can invite God there, I, I completely believe that he is moving and he enables our children to connect with him. I think um, maybe one just helpful story is I 
uh, met a little girl who so this is probably quite a different situation but um, she couldn't walk she couldn't talk she couldn't eat by herself um, you know and yet she carried the most incredible sense of God's presence and God's peace with her wherever she went mm. and I you know I had the absolute privilege of meeting her and getting to spend time with her and there was something about just being with her and you know even though she couldn't talk she couldn't move that enabled people to connect more with God and she really sadly died but at her funeral like person after person after person got up and said because I knew this little like little girl I knew more of what it was to be in God's presence like she taught me more of just being wow. with God yeah which is just incredible and I just I think that's such for me that's such a story of like of just showing that God does that he just he connects with us in whatever way we need to connect with him and actually he sees no boundaries like God doesn't you know look at like those things as limitations he still uses each and every one of us whoever we are whatever our you know gifts and skills are in different ways for his kingdom which I love Mm. and it's so God isn't it like you look uh, you only have to look at Jesus in the gospels and see he comes and he turns everything upside down and he says let the little children come to me and he says all these things that are just crazy when you really think about it but it's so God to say yeah whoever you are whoever if the world thinks you're maybe less able to communicate or experience or pass on some of these things uh, you know I love you and I'm going to use you the most I just love that yeah 100% love that too We believe that not only do children and young people need to be empowered to live powerfully and purposefully with God, but that how we serve others as a family can be quite important to how our children discover this journey of God-given purpose. Anna interviews Gail Adcock, the Family Ministry Development Officer for the Methodist Church, to find out more. In your book, you talk about families serving together um, and that that can be helpful. Could you share a little bit about that? Why should people consider it and how might they do it? So there's something about faith, um, not just being my relationship or our relationship with God. It's about how do I express um, and act what I, on what I believe. And so um, there is a space for us as parents to be encouraging and supporting our, our children to um look at how how do i contribute how do i take action on things how do i mm. let my faith be a prompt to try and, and make some kind of difference in the world so um i think it's and and depending on what kind of family you are you embrace it in different ways um i i've known really strong activist families who you know really get stuck into an issue and for them as a whole family it's um it becomes really really uh important but i think in in small ways we can do that so that we, we're just a bit more aware we raise that awareness in our children actually of the wider world around them and mm. we're not self-seeking but we are looking at um finding how we for instance, look after creation. How do we care for the world that, that God's made? How do we take care of, of one another as, as human beings? Um, I think all, all of those things 
become part of that element of, of service. And so um, when uh, I'm thinking a few years back when we were part of a, um, a missional community um, here with other people of, of other ages in our local area, we kind of built in times to do things that were um, in care of, of our environment and other people, frankly. And so we did mm. things like, you know, we went and walked and prayed together and we um, went and sort of picked up litter on our local streets um, and spent half an hour doing that. And it was often just small things that were designed to raise um, a, a better sense of actually we are not purely consumers in life, but actually we are also people who contribute. And uh, it's it's all for me, it's all really sort of born out of that whole sense of seeking the welfare of the city and a really strong sense yeah. that actually we're all called to do that in the places that we live. And we can do it in um, in big ways. We might want to get involved in politics locally and uh, take stuff on like that. But also um, we can each do something. And I think often actually children lead the way in that and are often more inclined to be really radical, actually, than we are as adults. Yeah. And as you say, it's sort of two-pronged because there's that biblical mandate for it it's part of us living out our faith and enabling them to live it out as the bible talks um but it's also growing them as christians and growing their faith um it made me think of uh, in this sort of unwinding wrong views of god rachel talks about a buddy jesus you know kids who think jesus is my best friend and he follows me around and we love each other and it's all great um, and serving is just such a powerful way to broaden their perspective and say kindly and gently, but actually the world's not about you and it's not just about you and God. You're just a small part of his big plan. And how are you going to play your part in that today? Yeah. And I, and I think it's, um, it's the whole words and actions and, um, it's, it's a lot of that stuff that Paul talks about, um, when, you know, we, we need to be, engaged in all kinds of ways in looking after the the people and the places that we're in and um faith can seem um superficial and insubstantial unless it's backed up by the actions that we're taking and um i'm i'm full of admiration for, for people that i've known who've um really devoted huge amounts of time and energy into, into doing that um and i i i've never felt that I, i'm i'm someone who's been called to really uh maybe you know I've, I've known people who've established charities who really kind of gone to town with trying to make a difference um and i think i have always had a sense that actually um i'm called to the small things um and i was reflecting that during lockdown um you know, I've I've been full of admiration for all those people who've volunteered, who've gone out and delivered food to people or who've been working at the food bank to get parcels of food ready. Um, people who are key workers working long shifts and, um, and part of me kind of wanted to be those people, but I knew that I couldn't and I still had a full time mm. job to do. And so I've sought to just find the, the small things um, that are going to... Um, hopefully just oil the cogs a little bit of community and society as uh, as we try to find our way through this time 
I think those those things can make a big difference in how we all feel. Yeah, and it's important for children to see that because if um, everyone's starting charities and going to political rallies and, you know, those things are wonderful, but if you've got a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or they may not feel like they're able to do that. So if we can model in the small serving in little ways and give them some opportunities and some options to do that. and if they have interests of their own, I think that's actually the, the key thing. It's not about imposing a cause upon our children, but maybe it's about responding to the things which we can already see that they have a passion for, that they um, are responding to because they see injustice and they want to, to make a, a difference in that. So I think... Um, I think we kind of sometimes need to subvert those roles um, as parents and carers. We need to be thinking much more about how how are we supporting the the needs of our kids really to to give them the platforms that they need to to make change happen. Mm. And just spotting what they're into and coming alongside. You know, that's one of the things we talk about a lot in surfing the waves is just seeing seeing what they've got a passion for or an anger against or what's stirring mm-hmm. and coming along them but that also doesn't mean shoving it down their throat and saying you are this certain way you have to be interested in politics forevermore or you know because you did that one thing for the food bank once that's now your thing and but just hey if that's something you want to do let's explore how to do that together and then see what the next step for you might be and a question to start a interesting conversation with our kid is this what is your favorite memory of us as a family helping someone else and why is that such a special memory have a great conversation thank you for downloading the parenting for faith podcast a new episode will be released next week And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.